Hey everyone, it is the Leadership Locker with Rich Cardona. Today, my guest is Brock Johnson. If you hear a little bit of an echo, it's because I'm in my new place that we just moved into and it's empty. I don't have any soundproofing. I don't have any furniture in here really. So it might sound a little bit off. And in my recording with him, I was at my old place, which was empty at the time. So forgive any of the audio quality, but Brock Johnson is an Instagram expert as he will literally own it uh, once he gets on here in a second. But I became familiar with Brock through his mother, Shalene Johnson, and his father, Brett. And I had uh, come across Shalene and her Marketing Impact Academy. I knew she was in tight with Pat Flynn and Sean Cannell and a bunch of other people. Uh, I drank the Kool-Aid. She is just uh, head and shoulders above the rest, especially, I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, but of her age. She's like outperforming people half of her age regularly. But it was actually because of her that I discovered Brock and I kind of saw that they were doing a little bit of family business together. They were teaming up on webinars. And then, you know, this was a very, very easy situation. If you were a cynical person to be like, oh, here we go, you know, just like bringing the sun along. Look, Brock's legit, like super, super legit. Uh, He's obviously very kind. He's great at presenting information. And for uh, someone who's less than a quarter century years old, you could hear the maturity in his voice. You could hear the maturity in the way he describes things, the way he articulates things, the way he conveys information, especially about social media, which is why I had him on. Now, I've had people on the show before about Instagram, but look, man, like this dude is all in on reels and he's trying very hard to make sure that we all tap into that because of the growth. Now, if you were to go to my Instagram right now, at richcardona underscore, feel free to DM me anytime, by the way. But if you went to my Instagram right now, it's not sexy, man. I've tried all kinds of shit. And I fucking hate Instagram, to be completely honest. I, I, I used to love LinkedIn. Now I don't love LinkedIn. Instagram, I grew on me, but I hate it because I've just never really get the traction. And I feel like many people who don't have a lot of success on Instagram feel like your content's good. Well, maybe it's time for me to reconsider. And although I've had Instagram people on before, Brock is not only an Instagram expert, but a Reels expert, which means I'm probably gonna be converting to like straight up Reels, doing a lot more of that. So let's see. Let's see what Brock has to say about organic growth and Instagram and Instagram Reels. Oh, one last thing before we get to Brock. Stay tuned to the end for an offer that can get you 25% off a process mapping for your future virtual assistant. Here we go. All right, so you just got the intro. I'm here with Brock. And Brock, I'm just going to let you tell people in your own words who you are and what you're about. Sure, absolutely. So as short as a way as I can put it as possible, um, I'm an Instagram growth expert, which basically that's a fancy made up term uh, to basically say I help people learn to grow their Instagrams organically and convert their followers into customers. Over the last six months, literally at the day that we're recording this, we're exactly six months since the beginning of my rapid uh, growth journey on Instagram Uh, where I've grown from about 78,000 followers at the beginning, which isn't zero. I mean, it's it's important to know, like that's a decent spot to start from. Started at about 78,000 six months ago. Um, And then now as we sit here today, as we speak, I'm somewhere around 230 or 240,000 followers. So a little over 150,000 followers in the the last six months. So it's, it's been a crazy fun ride ridiculous yes i'm looking at it 236 and i will say this off the bat like there just became a point where all of a sudden my feed was just like 
hey, Brock, like every two seconds, I was like, this is getting crazy. And I don't mean like it's getting crazy as in it's too much. It was very, very clear that something was happening and changing. So that's awesome. Before we get into IG and everything about it, let's first say congrats, man. You had a milestone in your personal life. You might be getting married or something soon. So if you want to share anything about that. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I'm, I think I'm exactly a year out from getting married. We're getting married in September of 2022. Um, so about a year away from getting married. But, you know, because of everything that happened in 2020, a lot of the 2020 weddings got pushed to 2021. So even though we got engaged on Christmas Eve of 2020, getting married in 2021 was pretty much off the table. So we pushed it back to 2022. And really, we're just enjoying our engagement and getting to plan our dream wedding, but really excited about that. Yeah, man. I know the the community's happy for you. Your community's happy for you. And people like me are happy for you, man. So big time congrats. Now, here's a question again, before we get into IG, your mom is an influencer for sure. Like anywhere you slice it. Uh, I've interviewed her, met her. I've met your father, just an incredible person. Like your whole family has just struck me as the most authentic, charismatic, and like altruistic group of people. And it's a family business at this point. So can you talk to me about uh, a family business? It looks like it's all fun and games, but are there dynamics that go around, uh, that go on that people need to know about before maybe doing what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a great question. And first of all, thank you for all the the really kind words. And and it's really sweet um, and really does mean a lot. So yeah, it, it is a family business. Absolutely. My mom is front and center. And for my entire life, she's been the poster child for our family business. She's been on the stages. She's been speaking. She's It's been her out in front. Um, and also my entire life, my dad's been in a part of the business. He's just been the, the behind the scenes, the numbers guy. He's the CFO. She's the CEO. And then now that my sister and I are both in our 20s and we both have our own skill sets, I've joined the business on kind of like my mom's level where I'm outward facing. I'm doing a lot of things, you know, in front of the camera, on screen, on stage. And my sister does a lot behind the scenes. So she actually is a part of the business as well. And she does um, a lot of graphic design and a lot of just general design work for us because she's a, a creative designer. So it is a family business. And it is really, really fun to get to work with my parents and to get to work with my sister and to get to do all this together. But my parents were extremely intentional when inviting us to be a part of their business. And they were also extremely hesitant in doing so because my mom, first of all, and my dad, but they had both been told and heard their entire lives that you don't want to work with family. Don't get into business with your friends and family and the people you love because it's just a recipe for uncomfortable situations, sticky situations. You know, how do you talk to someone at home when you also have to talk to them on a Zoom meeting. You know, like there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics there. But since day one, they've always been very adamant that family comes first. That is absolutely something that in my family, since I was a young child, I've known has been preached and has been lived by. So family comes first. So if at any time things start to become uncomfortable in the business or we start to not see eye to eye or have disagreements, family comes first and protecting that relationship and protecting each other, that comes way before the bottom line or earning an extra dollar. And I can give you, you, know, you know, a real example of this right now. My fiance, who's in school to be um, a therapist, so she's very much into the mental health space. She's a certified life coach. She's getting certified in uh, functional nutrition right now. She is joining part of the business in kind of like their nutrition side of things, the nutrition part of their business. 
And even that is something that's very slow, very intentional, and has been very clear to myself and my fiance that, hey, you know, you're, you're welcome to bring your expertise to the table here, but your role as Brock's wife or as my daughter-in-law, speaking from my mom and dad's point of view, or, or as my wife, that will always come before the business. So for anyone who's thinking about getting into business with their family, it's really great on one hand, because you know, you know each other's skills and weaknesses and you're able to you know, be really honest with each other. But on the other hand, you need to make sure you set things up with a lot of intentionality and be very clear and explicit that family comes first. I just had a funny thought. Well, when you were mentioning your fiance is going to be a therapist, I'm like, does she ever say to you like, so what did that really mean? <laughs> yes, yes. No, it, it's it's hilarious um, living with someone who is about to be a therapist. Yes, absolutely. There, there's a lot of conversations. You should hear how it's funny to say this, and I don't say this to brag, but how healthy oftentimes our arguments or our disagreements are, because we definitely have our arguments or disagreements, but just, you know, the, the way we communicate with each other and how intentional she holds us both to being and being very accountable with our word choice and the way we phrase things and, and how we argue or disagree. So yeah, no, living with a therapist is definitely exactly what you would expect it to be like. Uh, yeah. I always kind of imagine those people in those situations, like, I wonder what it's really like. Like, can I just say what I'm feeling or are they going to be like, what do you actually mean? I'm like, oh man, I don't even want to part, but that's awesome. So I want to go back to one thing about the intentionality. When I interviewed your mother, she was talking about your grandparents who were entrepreneurs and she would watch like all these things and, and she could just see it going from thing to thing to thing and, and all these things. Now for you, you kind of watch and it's obviously been successful, but how did you choose like, you know what? I do want to go this direction. I like what I'm seeing and like, I am going to form my skill set because I could tell anyone who doesn't know you or your family that this is not one of those, oh yeah, I'm just going to hook up my son. Like you're clearly freaking ridiculously talented, man. Like you don't grow like that unless something's going on and you've been paying attention. But you know, how did you kind of lock and decide like, this is the direction I'm going instead of doing your own thing? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I think, you know, let's backtrack a little bit. This was never what I thought I would be doing. I never thought I'd be joining my parents in business. Um, I never thought I would do anything business related in my life. I grew up thinking and dreaming that I'd be a professional football player. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what, until I was 20 years old, that was the only option. There was no plan B. That was my only thought for my life. But around that age, when I was about 19 or 20, I was away at college for the first time. Um, away from my family for the first time. And I wanted to start earning an income for myself so that I could provide for myself and create some financial stability and independence. And I didn't have to rely on, you know, mommy and daddy's credit card to buy groceries and take my friends to the movies and, you know, take myself out to lunch. So I created my first business, which at the time was just kind of uh, the resolution or the result of me asking myself, what unique skill set do I have right now? And what is there a market for? That was really where I started. And at the time, it sounds really funny to say this now, at the time, that was helping moms keep their kids safe on Snapchat. <laughs> I knew <laughs> that this was a skill I had, right? This is, it's funny, but I knew this was a skill I had because I had just taught my parents how to use Snapchat. Because again, I was away at college and I was like, I don't want to text you guys all day. I don't want to send you videos like via text message all day or FaceTime you guys. I'll just snap you guys. And at the time, this was like 2015, 2016, Snapchat was really popular. <laughs> um, it was huge. It was as big as TikTok is now. And so I was snapping my parents. And I recognized 
that all over the news was parents freaking out about Snapchat and oh my gosh, it's scary. And, and you know, there's disappearing messages and there's creepy people and there's predators on Snapchat. So I was like, hey, I could teach parents, I could teach moms how to use Snapchat the same way I just did with my own parents. And if they knew how to use it and it wasn't such a foreign thing, they would understand it a lot more and they'd be able to keep their own kids safe. So that was my first business, right? So that's my first venture out into business. My first thing I did really that wasn't, hey, I'm going to be a professional football player. And then that really, everything kind of just really grew and evolved from there. So shortly after launching that course, teaching on that subject, um, I started teaching people how to grow their business using Snapchat because I then had a pretty substantial Snapchat following. And Snapchat, you never really knew exactly how many followers you had, but I knew that I was getting thousands and thousands of views every day on my Snapchat story. And so I was growing my business on Snapchat, which sounds so crazy to talk about in 2021, but I was growing my business on Snapchat. And I was like, hey, I could teach people how to do this. Like there's a, there's a market here. I have this expertise and there's the market. So I started teaching people how to grow their business on Snapchat. And not long after that, Instagram came out with Instagram stories. Instagram started to take over Snapchat. I left Snapchat and migrated to Instagram. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. I spent the last three or four years just focusing 100% on Instagram and growing my business there and now teaching others to do the same. One last question. We're, we're about to get into Insta. I mean, it's a perfect segue, but I have to ask this. You're in college, you know, 19, 20 years old, like you said, and you are determining that you want to provide for yourself. And you did not think to yourself, like, I'm just going to go work wherever. You decided to do something on your own. This is a skill set, or at least an ambition that for me, who haven't been in school forever, wonder, like, is that gaining more traction? Or are there more people like you? Or were at the time, were you still kind of like, no, dude, I'm not going to work at the movies. I'm going to do my own thing so I could go to the movies whenever the hell I want. What did you see when you were in school? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Really interesting. I think that the whole idea of starting your own business and entrepreneurship and not working a traditional job, I think that's definitely gaining in popularity. Um, I think especially now amongst student athletes, now that there's the NIL, which is basically the NCAA for a million years has said, no, if you're a student athlete, you can't have your own business. You can't profit off of your likeness. You can't get sponsorships. You can't get paid. And now about a year ago, they were like, never mind. You can do all that. So now we have student athletes everywhere from, you know, Alabama and Clemson all the way to little tiny D2 and division three schools who are making money and getting sponsorships and they're just able to earn an income off their likeness. So I think it's important to note that, yeah, that's definitely gaining in popularity now. Um, and I wish that was around when I was in college because when I was in college, I literally had to shut down my business for six months while the NCA investigated me and checked to make sure that all my books were clean and that I wasn't just illegally accepting bribes from donors. But that's, that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's something that's growing in popularity now. I think for me personally, it came out of a place of both necessity and desire. So the necessity piece is I was a student athlete. So I didn't have the time to work a normal job. I would get up at 5 a.m. and I'd have conditioning for an hour and then I'd go to weights for an hour and then I would eat three protein bars on my way to a two-hour class. I'd come back from class, eat lunch, take a nap, and then I'd have to go back to practice. It was 4 p.m. before I had a moment to breathe. So the, the idea of working a traditional job, that just wasn't possible. So necessity. And then the, the desire was I wanted to be able to provide for myself 
a way of living. You know, I wanted to be able to buy my groceries and, and not have to live the the typical college diet of ramen noodles because I knew as a student athlete that just it was it wasn't gonna last. I was gonna wither away. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to provide for myself. And in order to do that while not being able to work a traditional job was I had to start something for myself. Yeah. It's funny. I had um an expert on NIL, her name's Christy Dosh on few weeks ago after the ruling. And we were talking about how some people who've never thrown a pass or played a game were getting these deals, but it's also because they had developed personal brands um, and had a social media presence, which is exactly what we're about to get into. Now, look, I was on Build Your Tribe. I was on your podcast and now you're on mine. And on, on when I was on yours, we talked about LinkedIn and you're like, ah, you know, I, I could have, I should have, and I should, and, and all these other things. And I'm late to the game. I have a, a absolute love-hate relationship with Instagram. I absolutely always blame the algorithm. I think my content is shit hot and that my, my stuff is good. And I'm like, why am I investing so much time and nothing's happening? Aside from people like me, why? Do people need Instagram in 2021 or 2022? I think that, first of all, it's one of the biggest, most well-known, most widely trusted social media apps. I mean, if you look at the look at the, just the numbers of, of users, Facebook, it's YouTube, and then Instagram's like number three, usually. And of course, Instagram is owned by Facebook, but if you poll most people and you ask most business owners and you uh, study where people are spending most of their time, the most time is being spent usually on Instagram, especially when it's compared to Facebook. So we get over a billion people, which is mind-blowing, over a billion people now on Instagram, spending 30 minutes to an hour a day, that's on average, on the app. That means that there's an audience there. There's attention there. And if you're a business owner, you want to go where the attention is. I used this analogy recently. There's a reason why no one's buying ads on MySpace because there's, there's no attention. There's, there's no one there anymore. <laughs> I'm hesitant to ever say that any platform is dead, but MySpace is about as close to the grave as you can get. You know, um, So when we think about attention, TikTok is really high up. Instagram is really high up. And LinkedIn, Facebook, these platforms, they're super high up in terms of how much time people are spending on them and how much attention people are paying um, on these apps. So I don't think Instagram is a 100% necessity for every single person. But from what I've seen and the rapid growth that's possible on Instagram right now, I think it's got to be one of the best, if not the best, in terms of attention and business building uh, opportunities. This is interesting to me because you're a case study. My team and I you know, when when we are kind of in uh, the doldrums and I'm just like, I'm not satisfied with this content. Like we've literally go to your page like, and I'll share my screen. I'm like, look at this. You know, like I need to be doing that or anything like that. But the growth I experienced on LinkedIn was like substantial. And I was like, I always tell people, professionals, I'm like, the organic growth is good there. The reason I... And this is probably my own fault and a lot of other Instagrammers' fault is that, oh, I'm so late to Instagram. Like the growth is impossible. The organic reach is dead. But you're saying the complete opposite. What are we missing? What are we missing that is, is the key here that organic growth is still possible? And I know there's many tools, there's reels and stories and all these other things. But, you know, for a platform that's kind of mature, so to speak, how is organic growth still possible? Yeah, I think that organic growth is still possible primarily right now because of Instagram's doubling down or its refocus on video content and more specifically on reels. I mean, it's it's no lie that Instagram loves reels and they're trying to promote the heck out of reels 
there have been actually a lot of trains to move through the Instagram station. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, you had the opportunity to join Instagram in 2010. You missed it. Oh, well, you're 11 years too late. Good luck. You know, there was another train that came through a few years ago when carousels, which are those like slideshow posts, those became super popular on Instagram. And two or three years ago, people were getting substantial growth. And a lot of people still are from their carousels. And right now there's the real train, R-E-E-L, moving through the station and it hasn't left yet. It hasn't left yet. In fact, just uh, a few days ago, Instagram announced that over the next few months, they're going to begin paying creators for making reels that do well. Now, the exact parameters, like who's getting paid, what what is considered doing well and getting views um, is still up in the air, but they're gonna start paying people just for creating reels. Over the summer, they were paying people just for going live on Instagram. Even if you had zero people watching, they were just paying people bonuses for going live. And then in 2022, they hope to be able to pay all users depending on how well their reels do. And so what that should tell all of us as consumers, as people who use Instagram, is that Instagram is focusing on reels. And they're literally telling us for the next few months and even into 2022, They're going to be focusing on reels and literally paying us just for making reels. So that means that the the train hasn't left the station yet and you can still hop on. But every single day that you wait, it becomes that much more um, immediate that you need to jump on the train. Like it is headed out of the station. um, And before you know it, you're going to have to be sprinting down the runway and trying to jump onto that last car. But right now, the opportunity still exists for growth on Instagram through using reels and really even just any kind of video on IG. I mean, you guys are amazing at pushing out kind of updates. It's like you're my CNN. I'm like, oh, wait a (laughs) second, like hashtags, we don't need 28 or 30 hashtags anymore. Awesome. It's like, okay, wait a second, no more long captions. Okay, wait a second. This is a video first, not an image first platform anymore. I'm like, what is going on? which obviously means you are not just successful, you are a total practitioner. Now, for everyone who was just listening and didn't don't know what Reels are, can you explain? I mean, obviously, there's a similarity to TikTok uh, and to what they were doing with short-form content. Instagram basically says, whoever's got the best anything, we'll make our own version of it, clearly. But can you explain like what a Reel is? And you're very diverse with your content, but do you have to dance? Do you have to do, you have to do a skit? Like, What are you seeing uh, across the board? Yeah, I think I think the the simplest way for people to understand what a reel is is kind of like you were alluding to. It's Instagram's version of TikTok. It's it's basically TikTok videos rebranded onto Instagram. That's what a reel is. Um, in terms of technical details, what is it? It's a video that's up to sixty seconds long, so they're short. They're less than a minute, and they loop, which means that when they get to the end, it jumps right back to the beginning. So unlike most forms of content that we consume it loops, it plays on an endless kind of cycle. So, you know, like imagine you finish a podcast and all of a sudden it goes right back to the beginning of that same episode and you listen to it again. Like, you know, that that's not how things work. That's not how YouTube videos work. That's not how TV shows work. That's not how Netflix works. But that's how Reels and TikToks work is they just play on this loop. And so what that does is it keeps people paying attention to your content for longer. So it's a less than 60 second looping video. Now, in terms of what should your reels be or what kind of content do they have to be? They can be anything under the sun. They're they're typically known for their trends, their music, the dancing. They're known for 
um, skits or characters, but none of those things are necessary. They're not necessary. They might be popular. Some of those things might be effective, but they're, they're absolutely not needed. And I love being in the space that I'm in as uh, a, like an Instagram expert, because there are Instagram experts who I know who are dads in their 40s and they don't dance at all. They don't even they don't they don't even lip sync. They don't even use the trending audios. They just provide some education or some inspiration. One of my favorite Instagram creators, he was a, a fellow college football player himself. He doesn't dance, he doesn't lip sync. He just takes snippets from his YouTube videos and from his Instagram live videos or even from his speaking on stage videos. He just takes little tiny snippets of those with powerful quotes or, or quick little moments of education. And he cuts that up into a little 18 second video and that's his Instagram reel. So to answer your question about dancing and all that, no, it's not necessary. It can be beneficial, but you absolutely do not have to dance. You don't have to point around. You don't have to lip sync, none of that stuff for your reels. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, your friend there. Uh, when you repurpose content that you may have on another platform, or maybe you just have it natively on your computer, it's clear that you, uh, at least a lot of your posts, it seems like you made it on the app, right? And then and then you added your captions, you added some of the, you could tell there was a filter, you added some of Instagram's features. If you didn't do that, are you penalized or at all? Have you seen any of that? I haven't seen much of that, to be totally honest. Um, I think that it's important, first of all, to meet the dress code of the platform. I think every platform has its own, you know, expectations of what things should look like. I've tried to take my educational content from Instagram and post it on TikTok, and it just doesn't perform as well over there. I think TikTok wants a little bit more casual of a layout. Think about YouTube. We don't watch vertical videos on YouTube. We watch horizontal landscape videos like we watch on TV. I mean, imagine if you were watching football this weekend and suddenly there was just like giant black space on the right and left <laughs> side and it was just this little tiny vertical narrow video. That's not what we're used to. So it's important to fit the platform. So I think that when people, for example, take their YouTube video and chop it up and put it onto Instagram, but they leave it formatted like a YouTube video. So it's, it's horizontal, it's landscape, it's really wide, and there's a lot of black space above and below the video. It just doesn't look right, and it doesn't fit. So people are like, there's a disassociation there. People are like, this, this doesn't fit, this doesn't meet my expectations, and so they're less likely to engage. That's the first thing I wanna say, is that you should try to meet the dress code of your platform. But in terms of, you know, do you have to actually create it in Instagram? That's really not necessary. From what I've found, you can create it in any editing app you want, chop it up. You could have a, an editor create the video for you and then publish it onto Instagram without ever using their filters or their fonts or anything. Uh, the one asterisk that I will put is that you should never upload a reel with a logo or a watermark from another app. Instagram is the jealous ex-girlfriend who does not want to see the TikTok logo on your Instagram reel. And they've actually <laughs> explicitly said that. They've said, you know, if you got a TikTok logo, if you have a logo on your video, we're not going to show it to very many people. And it's funny, they've said that, but I've still seen some videos that are really popular that have the TikTok logo. So who knows if that's really true, but you know, let, let's, let's listen to Instagram and let's take what they're saying with, and pretend that it is true. So let's not put a TikTok logo just to, just to be safe. Um, but you know, I think a, a real world example of this is my dog's Instagram account which has grown, and it's hilarious to say this, my dog's Instagram account has grown more than my account has in the last, in the last few months. I grew by 100,000 followers in three months. My dog's Instagram grew by 100,000 followers in one month. 
And it has nothing to do with my own personal account. People always say, oh, well, yeah, she's probably got a lot of followers because you do. Less than 1% of her followers also follow me. Most of the time when I ever do like, you know, post a picture with myself in the photo on her Instagram, nobody knows who I am. Nobody follows. There's very little cross following going on. But I say all this to just say all of her videos, all of her viral videos, all of her reels, which are pretty much the biggest factor in her growth is her viral reels. They were edited using an outside editing app. They were edited using InShot, which is one of my favorite editors. Yeah, I love InShot. Yes, it's great. So easy to use for mobile. And the text on her videos is very clearly not an Instagram native font. So they were edited in an outside app. They have fonts from an outside app. And all I would do is upload them to Instagram. And I never used a trending audio. I never used a trending sound. She's a dog, so there's no dancing. And yet her videos have consistently gone viral and she's now over 170,000 followers. Taking a quick break, I wanted to tell you about a couple friends of mine who are not entrepreneurs who have asked me about virtual assistants. These are people with full-time jobs at very prominent companies who are extremely busy and they just need someone to help manage travel, manage receipts, manage this, manage that. This is not only an entrepreneurial thing. How many tasks are just eating away at the time you have to be productive because you owe someone something? I mean, think about it. Just think of, you know, the layer of clouds that can be, you know, lifted if you were able to be more effective more of the time and then do the things that you want to do when you're not working, which is spend time with your family or do your thing if you're single or hit the gym more often or go for that run you want or go to the movies, whatever it is you want to do. All these other kind of trivial things that are happening in the periphery are all easily solved by getting a virtual assistant, which is why my friends are reaching out to me about them. As a matter of fact, today, someone was reaching out saying, dude, you totally got me hooked. Please let me know the episode where you interview Robert Nickel, which I did. I let him know uh, he's a CEO of Rocket Station who sponsors this podcast. And that is why I'm telling you, okay, Rocket Station is where I got Ellie. Ellie is my operations lead. She was an assistant at the beginning and then she just graduated. She's completely doing things head and shoulders above people, her capabilities. And as a matter of fact, my first full-time person who helped me kind of build this company, I I mean, I feel like she's completely outperforming her. And we've been together for just about a year. The leaps and bounds that can happen when you have a virtual assistant who knows you in and out, who knows how you think, who could finish your sentences is ridiculous. It's invaluable. But the good news is Rocket Station could help you find that person and make it ridiculously, ridiculously affordable. And if you stay till the end, you get 25% off of a process mapping, which they would use to give your virtual assistant that you would eventually hire so they could hit the ground running. So before we get to that, let's get back to Brock. I'm 41, okay? A lot of my audience are probably middle-aged entrepreneurs. And I'm literally going to be in the middle of a rebrand as we uh, approach episode 200 here from the leadership locker to the midlife entrepreneur. Like people who are like, you know, 38, 40 like I was and quit my job and decided to be an entrepreneur. Now my life has never been better. I have to admit on Instagram and Reels and even TikTok, I have seen people my age or older bust out some of the most creative shit there is. And I'm just like, wow, it feels like it's some of these people, I feel like it's not even for business. It's just literally an outlet for their growth. Can you talk to me about what that 60 second limit does 
to your mind and, and how you view your creativity and how you should pose or how you should go about it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got to agree. There are some creators who I see posting things on Reels and TikTok where they just blow my mind. And some of these, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I don't even know how to do that. And I love video editing. That's like one of my secret uh, hobbies and obsessions is video editing. I was a, I minored um, in film studies in college. So like, I love this stuff. But some of these things, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, did they hire the CGI experts from Marvel Studios to edit this <laughs> TikTok for them? This is insane. Or even just simple examples of like how people make their videos loop seamlessly. So you don't even know where it begins and ends. And some of this editing is just mind blowing. And the effort that some of these people put into their reels, it blows me away. And people ask me all the time, can you show us how to do that? Can you show us how to do this fancy transition? And usually almost 100% of the time, I say, no, I'm like, no, I'm not going to show you how to do that either because one, I don't know how, or two, like you said, this might not even really do anything for your growth. This might not really do anything for your business. It might just be like a creative, fun, cool trick that you can do. But ultimately, if you're going to spend 10 hours making this funny transition, um, and it's not really going to do that much for your business, that's not what I'm here for. There's other people who can teach you fancy transitions and cool video editing, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for grow as fast as you can with the most efficient strategies possible in the most authentic, real way possible um, and convert those followers into customers. Uh, but I will say there's some really, really cool editing and transitions and character work and skits that are that's going on because you're confined to such a small window, such a small fraction of a second, you got to cram a lot in a lot of, a lot of times. You got to do some editing. You got to make things uh, intricate in order to fit that much education or that much value into a split second of time that's as short as a TV commercial. What would you suggest if someone's looking at it like an hourglass and like I have 60 seconds and I know this is things you've said a million times, but maybe my audience doesn't know. In 60 seconds, what are the major things I would need to hit in order to have an effective reel? And it might not be effective at first, of course, right? You need to build out and you need to do it consistently, but what wickets do I have to hit in those 60 seconds? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that there's different kinds of reels. Of course, if you are using a trending audio, for example, or doing a popular dance or movement, a lot of the things I'm about to say go out the window because you don't get the freedom to come up with what's the intro, what's the outro, what's the call to action, what's the value I'm providing. All of that's out the window because you have to stick to the script. Literally, you have to go with the trending audio. Uh, but if you're creating your own reel, if you are, you're recording your own voice, or you're doing some teaching or educating yourself, or you're showing a how-to, um, I think that the important elements of a good reel um, is, first of all, just a hook at the beginning. And it doesn't need to be anything fancy. It doesn't need to be anything crazy. I think just telling people what you're going to tell them. Tell them what you're going to tell them. You know, seven quick tips to get more engagement on Instagram. That's a hook. Okay, now people know. Stop doing this on your Instagram stories. You know, that, that's a hook. That's just grabbing people's attention. What if I'm a dentist? If I'm a dentist, three tips to avoid cavities. Five things to do before your next dentist visit. What if I'm a life coach? Th uh, life coach, obviously, is such a broad thing with life coach. <laughs> <laughs> like um, three questions you need to ask your partner or, or stop doing this in your morning routine. Because, you know, we're always talking about like, you got to do this in your morning routine. Stop doing this in your morning routine. And just to be clear, I, that wasn't like a challenge at all, of course. Uh, that was just to demonstrate to people like, you don't need to spend five minutes conceptualizing a hook. Like Brock just did it like that. I mean, 
he's clearly not a dentist. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, the paralysis by analysis is real. So I just wanted to emphasize the fact that you could come up with the hook very quickly. Okay, so we got the hook part though. So that's one part. Mm-hmm. Yes, we got the hook. Um, and then I like to tell people, just go right into the value. Like you don't need to waste time on, on a reel. It's, it's quick. 60 seconds is the maximum. Uh, the average viral reel is seven seconds. So seven seconds, that's, that's quick. You're not even gonna get through your first tip if you're doing seven seconds. Uh, but then get right into the value. Give the tips, make it as quick and succinct as possible. And I like to say, really keep things basic. You know, you don't need to get real intricate unless that's your audience, unless unless that's your niche and that's what you're known for. Usually I found is a lot more successful if you kind of speak to the middle, so to speak. You don't speak to, you know, the people who have the extreme knowledge and they're on your same level, just the people who are just learning. Hey, what even is engagement on Instagram? What are What even is an Instagram story, for example, um, in my case? So then I get right into the value and then it's always beneficial to end with a call to action. If you want people to engage, you have to ask them to do so. If you want people to like or to save or to share, let's not just hope our, uh, hope our video is good enough and cross our fingers and pray. Let's actually ask them, hey, if you learn something in this reel, share it. Hey, if you found this tip educational, make sure to save it for the next time you post, whatever that call to action might be. For the call to action, I used to be under the impression for the longest time it was like, do you agree? Or what do you think or something? I've noticed even by what you just said that it's more of like kind of like a not a command, but you're telling them what to do, not asking them for something. What's what's the difference you've seen uh, between those two methodologies? Yeah, absolutely. Make it as obvious for people as possible. When I say do you agree, they might think, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Or, uh, no, I don't. I don't agree. Keep scrolling. Do you agree? Yes or no? Let me know in the comments and let's talk about it. Well, now you're not only telling, asking them if they agree, you're giving them their two options, yes or no. <laughs> you're telling them what to do with that. Okay, if you agree, yes or no, then you comment it and then you tell them what's going to come next. We're going to have a conversation about it. So you make it really clear. I think that sometimes, and I do this all the time, I'll write my caption or I'll write my call to action and it will be, let me know if you agree or do you relate to this or you know, is this something you've experienced? And then I always add the next sentences comment below or let me know in the comments or let me know down below or let's have a conversation about it to really make it as clear and explicit and as almost as as much of a demand as possible so that you actually have that call to action. Rog, I'm going to ask you what everyone's thinking and let's just do an example here. I'm looking at your reels right now. Here's your last few. 37,000 views, 68,000 views, 34,000 views, 132,000 views, 83, 178. I mean, just like massive, massive performers here. There's some people here who's, who would say, including me, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find one that's not even that like high for you. Like, let's just say 24K or something like that. I would do anything for a 24K. You know what I'm saying? So when you have some that perform 186 or 278 or 830K I'm looking at right now, if you get something that's 30, does that like hurt you? Or are you just like, no, like, do you just move on? And like, next, like, what's it like? I'm posting two or three reels a day right now. And I've posted at least one a day every single day since April 1st, 2021. I've missed two days. One day I was camping um, and had no Wi-Fi. The next day, or the, the other time that I missed uh, was an intentional day off where I was intentionally not posting any reels to kind of allow my account to, to reset. That's a whole nother strategy. But no, I'm posting one, two, or even three reels a day. So I'm so focused on the next reel and whatever that next thing is that I'm posting. I have no idea oftentimes when one is going viral. I have no idea 
when one is doing well or when one is doing poor. And something that I've learned is the ones that you think will do the best are always the ones that don't do very well. And the ones that you're like, this is not very good. This is bad. Like, I'm not, I don't even know if I should post this because this is so subpar. Those are the ones that always end up doing the best and doing going viral. Like the one that you just said that has 800,000 something, that one, I didn't post it for about three or four weeks after I recorded it. I just held on to it in my camera roll because I was like, this is not very good. This is going to do so bad. Like I have so much better content. So I'm going to, I'm going to post all that better content and I'll save that one for a day where I just have run out. When I'm in a drought and I have nothing else, I'm fine. I'll post that. And I posted it after four weeks. And lo and behold, what happens? That that reel that I'm like, oh, this is bad, gets 800,000 views and it you know grows my account by a couple thousand more followers. And it just happens like that every single time. It's like, welcome to content creation. If you're listening to this, that that is something that... I think I, I share it with a lot of people. So you're certainly not alone. I've had that on on LinkedIn where I just posted a picture of like me looking at the water and I'm like, 4 a.m. wake ups. I never thought I would do this. And it was like, I'm like, why? Who cares? <laughs> like that has nothing to do with what I do. But um, let me ask about a cover photo really quick. What, what are, yes, no, it's like, doesn't make a huge difference. Honestly, it doesn't make a huge difference. You can add one. Um, some people like to add them to keep the aesthetics of their page put together. I just think that generally your cover should relate to the content. So whether that's one that you've created outside of Instagram, you've uploaded, but it still relates to the reel, or it's literally just a freeze frame from the reel, it should still relate to what it's going to be. You know, it shouldn't be like a beautiful selfie of you and your family and they tap on the reel and it's some financial tips, for example. Your face is on every one of these, right? Everywhere. Yeah. Does that help? And let me just give context for that. YouTube, for example, thumbnails with where you could see the whites of people's eyes, where they're smiling, all that stuff. Like the data says that performs better. That's more clickable. What about here on Instagram and for reels? The same is true. The same is true. Not necessary, but definitely helps. People are drawn to people. So when when my face is on, on a reel or when my face is on the cover, I should say, it's going to get more clicks and it's going to get more attention. Got it. And then last thing is, I, I was going through your Instagram stories, uh, kind of like your your highlights, that is. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of people who had a lot of success doing your 30 days of reels. Is that something you did April 1st and just said, I'm going to blast this, I'm going to grow, I'm going to be ridiculously focused, this is all I'm going to do. Is that a byproduct of that thought or that strategy? Yeah. So the, the 30 reels in 30 days started as just a way to challenge myself. Honestly, Rich, I was like, Hey, listen, I preach consistency. I preach the power of reels. Let's just see what would happen if I challenged myself to post 30 reels in 30 days. Let's just see what would happen. There was never any expectation of growth. I had some guesses and some hypotheses, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was just to challenge myself to be consistent. And so when other people are starting the challenge, um, where they're challenging themselves to be really consistent with reels, I think that that's the intention you should set, is I'm challenging myself to create a new habit and to be consistent. My goal is to create this habit, not to grow by 100,000 followers. So I just started posting a reel a day. And I encouraged my audience, I was like, hey, if anyone wants to do this with me, come along for the ride. Let's do this thing. And funny enough, that first reel that I posted went viral and it reached a couple million people that very first day, first reel. And so literally, I think it got over a million views. A million people were like, I'm going to do this challenge with you. I'm going to hop on this trend. I'm going to do a, a reel a day for 30 days. And a lot of people, I would say most people, the majority of people didn't make it the full 30 days, but those people who did establish that habit, they created 
uh, that consistency for themselves. And a lot of them ended up growing their accounts. I ended up growing my account a ton. And basically since then, I haven't stopped. So people always ask me, hey, are you going to do another round? Are you going to do more 30 reels in 30 days? And I'm like, hey, I've done a reel a day for the last six months. Like I, it's, it never stopped. I built this habit of consistency and then I've just kept going. But I think it's really important to just focus on what the real goal was, which the real goal was, I just want to create this habit of consistency for myself. If growth comes, that's an awesome byproduct or side effect, but that is not my intention. You mentioned you had that viral one in your camera roll. To the outside eye, if I just got on Instagram and I saw you, I might think to myself, dude, like, how am I possibly going to keep up? Can you talk to me about batching content and why people should consider this as something that'll help them prevent kind of burning out or, or droughts like you mentioned? Absolutely, Rich. So I do not create a reel a day. I post two or three reels a day, but I do not create two or three reels a day. I usually create my reels once a week, and I do that by following this process. I start by saving all the sounds and audios and trends that I hear. So I literally just scroll through, and if I'm hearing the same sound over and over again, I'll save it. Or if something makes me laugh, I'll save it. Or if something grabs my attention, I'll save it. Anything like that. Just saving sound, saving sound. So this is just storing up information. And that's in Instagram itself. In Instagram, yeah. There's a way to save the audio. You can also just take a screenshot. Or if you're a pen and paper person, you go write down whatever the name of the audio is if you really want to. So that's what I do. And, and honestly, that is something that I'm just always doing, right? Because we're always consuming content. I'm just more intentional when I consume my content. I'm not scrolling for hours, just wasting my time. I'm scrolling for hours and I'm taking notes every once in a while and I'm writing things down and I'm saving things. So that's always when I'm on Instagram. Then usually one day a week when I feel like I've got a good clean t-shirt on or I just got out of the shower, I just got my hair cut, whatever, I'm feeling good and confident. I will come into usually this office that I'm sitting in right now and I'll record as many as I possibly can. And I say, just record. I do not edit. I just record them. I'll usually bring a couple different t-shirts as outfit changes so that it doesn't look like they were all taken on the same day. A great hoodie is always awesome because you don't even have to change your shirt. You just throw the hoodie on and boom, it's a new outfit. Yep. Um, so I'll bring a couple t-shirts in here and I'll record as many as possible. And it's gotten to the point now where I can usually record 10 to 12 in about an hour. Um, and again, it's just recording them. It's just recording myself doing the voiceover, pointing whatever, recording the different clips of the different characters, but I do not edit. And I think that's the biggest mistake people are making is they're trying to find the idea, create the reel, record the reel, edit the reel, and post it all at once. And those are all totally different mindsets. Those are all totally different lengths of time that those things take. So instead, I just record my however many as I can in that hour. This is really huge point here. You're not actually batching the content, you're batching the creative process. Like, I'll just record these and then I'll create these, which to anyone on the outside, like if I was going to record full-blown reels, 10 of them, like that might be my whole Sunday or my whole Saturday. And you're saying, I already know that's going to sap my energy. I'm just going to do the creative part and just focus on this right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think of it like if bakers could do this, imagine how much more they could bake. When you bake cookies, you got to do it all in order and you got to do it all at once. You can't like whip up the cookie dough and then like put it in the fridge for four or five days and then scoop it out in a couple of days and put it in the oven for a week and then pull it out when you're ready. You can't do that. But with reels, you can. So I record them all. I record as many as I can in that hour. A lot of times it's on Sunday during halftime of, of whatever game I'm watching. I'll just like step in the other room for a minute. 
And then throughout the week, as I feel inspired, as a new trend comes up, as a new topic comes out, like for example, this week, Instagram had a new change in the amount of hashtags they could use, but I already had audios recorded from a week ago and all I had to do was slap a new piece of text on it or change up what the caption was going to be or how I was going to relate this reel to my niche. That's all I had to do, but I already had all the videos, which is oftentimes the most time-consuming or the most labor-intensive part. I already had all of those created, and so then all I have to do is, when it's time to post, type out some caption or maybe add a little piece of text, and I'm good to go, and it really saves time and makes it so much more efficient. I'd never thought of it that way. Like I, I, I have to be honest. I, I feel like I've created a lot of content, but I never really thought of it in that way. I like to like get the whole thing kind of done and, and look at Sunday proudly and be like, wow, I did that many, but this is very different. And I could see how you have a lot more energy to continue on producing them. So two final questions. What if, what if someone is doing exactly what you're doing and they grow, 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 and they're growing their followers, but it's not actually leading to business? And, you know, you know, like I have a product or service and it's like, cool, but, um, dude, uh, it's crickets on the business side. I haven't got anyone into my stripe in, in weeks. How should they rethink things or what do you think is going on? Well, I think first of all, um, it's important that your reels are all related to your niche. So they need to be related to your business. And I think a, a real world example of this is TikTok. I have 300, over 300,000 followers on TikTok, more than well, it used to be more than double, but now it still is more than the amount of followers I have on Instagram. Someone asked me today, how many sales do you make on TikTok? Zero. I get zero income from TikTok. And here's why. My fame or my followers on TikTok came from goofy, funny, silly dancing videos. Has nothing to do with business, has nothing to do with Instagram, has nothing to do with growing your following. I have followers on TikTok purely because I was a college football player in 2019 who danced around in the locker room with my teammate. So I have a bunch of people who follow me who aren't interested in my business. So that's the first thing is you gotta make sure your reels or your TikToks or whatever your content is, whatever platform, that it's related to your niche. It's related to your focus or your business or else you're going to be having people, you know, let's think about it like a brick and mortar business. There's people walking through the door into your boutique who are looking for fishing gear. There's a disconnect there. You're never going to sell to them. So that's the first thing. The second thing, how do you actually convert those followers into customers? And of course, there's a long journey and there's a lot of that goes into that in terms of building trust and credibility. Um, but ultimately, it all just boils down to building a relationship truly on an individual level with each of those new followers. So as those new followers come in, and this is the challenge that a lot of people face as they're getting thousands and thousands of new followers, how do I build a relationship with all of those people? And so there's different ways. The Instagram stories are a great place to allow people to just begin that journey, at least to get to know you and watch you and learn about your personality and your interests and hobbies. But truly the Instagram direct messages, there's nothing more powerful than a one-on-one -on -one conversation for building those relationships. And it's those relationships which lead to trust, and the trust is what leads to sales. Absolutely. Some of the best podcast guests, I mean, including you, like, boom, it's like DM. It's like, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Here's a deal. I, I used to think there was just no shot in hell in reaching some of the people I've reached on, in DMs, and I've been unbelievably surprised. And you're right. That's where it goes down. Last question is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about where we can learn more from you on a regular basis, uh, what you have going on that people who want to look deeper into this and take it a little bit more seriously and get the kind of coaching they need or the help they need where they could go? Absolutely. So I've made it very simple. 
there's two options, really. Option number one is you are welcome, and I encourage everyone to follow me on Instagram at Brock11Johnson. Like I said, uh, I post a few times every single day, and every single one of those posts has something valuable, educational, relatable. You're going to learn something about Instagram every day uh, if you follow me on IG, and that's totally free. If you're ready to take your business, your brand to the next level, my mom and I, who I know we talked about my mom a little bit earlier, uh, we created this thing called the Insta Club Hub. And it's kind of your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about Instagram. Um, there's a ton involved. We have lessons and trainings, over 50 of them that are quick, bite-sized. You get in, you get out, you learn what you need to know. We do live trainings twice a month. We have a Q&A section for Instagram questions. Uh, we have templates for your captions and real ideas. And we have tips and quick mini tutorials. We really tried to create it so you will never need another Instagram course. And we want to become the Instagram experts so that you don't have to. So we can you know, take that off of your plate. And if anyone wants to check that out, they can visit ichspecial.com. Um, and that's a, a little discount link if anyone wants to, to check out the Insta Club Hub. That is our coaching membership site. So uh, let me tell the audience, I was I was an Insta Club Hub for, for months until I was like, my podcast is just reaching heights I never thought it would be. So I kind of went more all in on the podcast. And now I have staff and I'm like, I think I'm going to have to get you a membership immediately because what we're doing is not working. But here's what I could tell anyone who's listening from what I learned when I was in there. Like when he says quick and bite size, like, yes, it is. But it actually is like that sticks. Like the knowledge sticks, the information sticks. And if you ever have any doubts on like, oh, I'm not sure this is actually working or whatever, literally go to any other pages and you're just going to be like blown away. Like, okay, clearly this is what's going on. This is not some some person trying to sell an Instagram course that doesn't know what they're talking about and isn't making money off it. So uh, it is extremely credible is what I would say. It's very easy to consume and it's just user friendly. The color scheme you guys got for whatever reason, I'm like, I just like appreciate it. I know it's similar to MIA, but it just works really well, man. So um, I highly uh, encourage you guys to go. He said ichspecial.com. Uh, Brock, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? I just want to express some gratitude. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast, on this episode, giving me this platform and this opportunity. And I hope that for anyone listening, whatever day of the week they're listening, they can spend the rest of their day expressing some gratitude for maybe the opportunity that they have on social media, maybe just the ability that they have to, to listen to a podcast, be able to learn and develop personally or whatever else is going on in your world. Just express some gratitude today. And, and Rich, I wanted to thank you really. Thank you so much for having me on the, on the show. Of course, man. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed Brock. Give him a follow, send him a DM and send me a DM at Rich Cardona underscore. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Share it if you liked it. But I told you I would give you a code. So 25% off, you were going to write the following email and let them know you heard about it from the leadership locker. You're going to write Brooks at rocketstation.com. And Brooks is my point of contact over at Rocket Station. He's going to help you get set up for a consultation. And if you end up going with them and you have mentioned the leadership locker and me, then you will have 25% off your process mapping, which is going to solve a lot of freaking problems for you. The second thing I wanted to say is you could also check them out and just set up a time to talk period point blank at landing.discovery at rocketstation.com. So you could check them out there. Either way, Mention Leadership Locker, mention me, 25% off your process mapping. If you have any questions about any of this before you even talk to anyone and you want to talk to me, I will let you know everything you need to know in advance and happily continue to refer people that way because it's an invaluable resource. Until next time, see ya.